Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we're joined by Tiffany Terzak of Don't Waste the Crumbs. Tiffany has helped thousands of families collectively save over $7 million by teaching them the principles from her grocery budget boot camp. And she shares many of those tips with us today. We talk about how to shop no matter your eating plan and save money. Tiffany also gives us her top three steps for meal planning. Join us as we explore the two most common excuses I hear regarding starting a whole foods anti-inflammatory diet, and you will have excuses no more. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Julie. I always love to start out with how did you get to be doing what you're doing? Because I find what you do to be amazing and it is such a service for people. You are the answer to an argument I hear all the time. <laughs> so how, how did you, I'm pretty sure when you were younger, you didn't say, I'm going to create, don't waste the crumbs when I get older. No, absolutely not. In fact, what I'm doing now has nothing to do with my college degree whatsoever, but it evolved out of, out of a need. Met my husband, we got married and together we had over six figures worth of debt, lots of lots of money in the hole. So we were trying to pay that off. And along the way, found out we were expecting a baby. And so we were like, kind of almost an argument that I think most moms to bees would, would have at some point in time is, do I go back to work or do I stay home? Just a big decision. And for us, finances was a big part of that. And so we figured, well, if I were to stay home, we got to cut some money somewhere because you know money in is not equaling money out. And so we created a general budget and kind of figured what was flexible with what wasn't. Like your mortgage is not really flexible, but how much you spend on gas, how much you drive around, or you spend on clothes is flexible. And the biggest line item that stood out to us was food. We looked at how much we were spending on food nearly had a heart attack <laughs> and then something has got to give. So we simply capped our spending and said, let's see if we can still eat as well as we've been eating without spending more. Now there needs to be a huge caveat there. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Fast forward to another baby. And my husband um, says to me, Hey, do you think we can eat real food? And I'm like, what are you talking about? We are eating real food. This isn't make believe. It's not pretend. It's I'm touching it. And he's like, no, do you think we can eat food that's grown in the ground? Like carrots, you know, apples from a tree. And the problem was, is we had set the food budget and I only had X amount of dollars to spend a month. And in order to get the most out of that budget, I learned how to coupon and I shopped mm -hmm. grocery store sales and I if it weren't for the actual store or the show of Extreme Couponer, I would have given myself that label. Like I knew the stores inside and out. And so 
our pantry and our cabinets were filled with foods that weren't the best option for us, but I didn't know any better. I grew up with spaghetti coming from a box. My husband grew up on five acres in a country style living and his family grew vegetables. And so when he was like, can we eat real food? It's kind of a shocker to me. And it took me a while to figure out what he was even talking about. (laughs) You know, I'm researching things like what is kombucha and you want to make bread? Like you can, you can make bread, you can make yogurt. Wait, hold on. Like worlds had completely shifted. And so dug into that research, figured out what real food was, what it wasn't, and learned how to change what we ate based on what I was learning without increasing our budget. And that was huge. It took a while. That wasn't an overnight thing by any means, but I would say nine months into it, we had a pretty good system. And so about that time was when we had paid off our debts. And so, you know, the two kids grocery budget, eating real food. And my husband was like, you need to start a blog. You need to tell people about this. And so after much reluctance on me, I said, you're right. I tend to be very stubborn, but I said, you're right. (laughs) I started it and, and the rest is history. I've got an amazing community of women who want to feed their family good food and are trying to balance that against real life finances. They're having, unfortunately, some of them are choosing between, do I feed my family, you know, healthy food or do I pay the electric bill? And I don't think that families should have to make those types of choices. So it's my mission to empower women and moms to not have to, to feed their family good food and to do it um, affordably. Well, I applaud your journey because it it serves so many. And again, I hear the argument all the time. I know food allergies is a focus for you. I have kids with anaphylaxis. So I learned the whole Mm. food allergy shopping, you know, label reading way before I was eating well either, or, you know, because I don't have to read that many labels anymore, but learning how to read labels and, and find these foods, forgetting Mm. budget was a whole job in and of itself. Yeah. Now working with the autoimmune community, everybody I work with does some sort of an elimination diet, you know, um, I am, uh, you know, whether it's full on AIP or, you know, I'm always running food sensitivity panels on people. So even if it's not a true allergy, it's always Mm -hmm. a specialized diet. Even if you're just eating a healthy paleo diet, Mm -hmm. it's still a specialty diet and it's, it all comes down to real food, right? You're eating, you're shopping in the produce section, you're buying good proteins. And, and so this is the argument I hear all the time. I can't afford to eat that way. The first step I have people do, which you did as a first step as well, is see what they're really spending on their food. You know, most yeah. people may come to me. Well, it depends. Everybody's in a different place, but I have plenty of people that come that are eating out all the time and, and, you know, they don't even consider that a food cost. And so we can find some balance there, but mm-hmm. I know you have the systems and I mean, so many tips and tricks for people. So what are some simple steps that people can take you know, maybe they're already eating well, but they want to move into something like paleo, or maybe they're not eating well yet. Maybe they're eating out of boxes and bags and know that the first step would be to, to start to move 
closer to a real food diet. Where can they, st- yeah. what are some things they can do? I highly recommend starting with what, what is on limits and what is off limits? Because I think if you aren't clear on what you want to eliminate or what you should be avoiding, then it's a trickle down effect. If you don't know, then that's going to affect every other decision you have to make. So you really want to get sparkly clear on that. For example, if you need to avoid gluten, do you need to avoid gluten ingredients? So that means there's some education there. What ingredients contain gluten? Because there are plenty of foods that have zero gluten that you just don't realize. Like my grandma is so sweet. Uh, My daughter is actually gluten-free. And when we visit my grandma, she's like, I got gluten-free bananas. I got gluten-free, you know, ground pork, like whatever it is, it's gluten-free. And I'm like, oh, grandma, thank, you know, I'm thanking her, but she just doesn't realize that a lot of the foods, a lot of real foods are naturally gluten-free. But at the same time, if you need to be certified gluten-free because of celiac or cross-contamination, like that is a whole nother thing. So you need to be really clear on what it is you're avoiding first and foremost. And then to build on what you said, it's so much more than just looking at a package. We have to remember when we go to the grocery store, our goal is to buy food. The grocery store's goal, as well as food manufacturers, their goal is for us to spend a lot of money on the food that they're that they're making. We don't want to fall into their marketing traps. So their packages are going to be shiny. They're going to be pretty. They're going to be bold with colors and pretty graphics. And we kind of, we need to put our blinders on a little bit and say, all right, I'm going to avoid this pitfall. It's a very common pitfall. And I'm just going to flip the box over or the package over, and I'm going to read the ingredient. So my recommendation is to read ingredients, not reading labels. And again, part, part of that is education. And I wish, I wish saving money on food, especially in terms of allergies or just food restrictions. I wish it was more cut and dry with, Oh, just follow steps one, two, and three, and boom, you save all this money in your pocket. But it really boils down to, you have to know what you're buying and therefore what you shouldn't buy, because that's where your money is going to be. If you go into the grocery store and you only pay attention to the pretty package, you're going to spend more. You know, we really should be shopping the outside edges of the store where the good dairy, the good produce, the good meat is found. You want to stay away from packages if at all possible. And that's not, there's a big old asterisk on that statement because it's not an end-all be-all. Like you could easily get dried beans in a package. You know, you get plain rice in a package and these are considered real foods. There's nothing added, nothing gross, but we just really want to avoid the manufacturer's marketing tactics that get us, oh, buy this because it's healthier and it's all natural and it's non this, non that. When a lot of the terms that they're using, they're not regulated. They don't actually mean anything. They just sound good and flashy. So we need to educate ourselves on what it is we want to eat and what it is we don't want to eat. I love that. And the, and the marketing thing, it, it's... <laughs> I'm thinking of your sweet grandma and the marketing, you know, there's stuff yeah. that's marketed as gluten-free that's naturally gluten-free. Like they're just yeah. targeting and then they're, you know, charging an extra dollar for it when right. like in nature, it's gluten-free to begin with. So yes, there is, there's so much 
marketing and in, involved. I, you know, I, I love the saying, you know, the there's marketing on the front <laughs> and information on the back. Yes. And it is, it is so true. I would imagine though, it was a really big shift for you when I, I'm thinking of, you know, so many of the coupons, although I had these days there have been coupons, you know, now at least you can get some produce coupons. But when I think of coupons, I tend to think of a things we don't really need <laughs> things that I would never eat right now or, or, you know, advise my clients to consume. <laughs> yeah. So how do you shift from saving money that way mm-hmm. to, okay, now we're intentional. We know what we're eating. We know what we're avoiding. Mm-hmm. How are we saving money doing that? You really want to focus on the foods you're eating a lot of. So okay. I teach this concept in my course, but the gist of it is if you were to write down all the foods that you eat on a monthly basis, right? We're probably going to have things like chicken and rice. And I don't know, we've got some bananas in there, probably some apples, but you're also going to have things like ketchup or mustard or apple cider vinegar. So on a day-to-day basis, we're eating a lot of things like chicken and rice and apples and bananas, but we're not consuming a whole lot of mustard, (laughs) like at least on gallons and gallons, right? Even if you consume a lot of mustard, you maybe go through two bottles of mustard. Like that's a lot in my opinion, but you know, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So my recommendation is to focus on what you are buying a lot of and what you're eating a lot of first and foremost. So if you're going to spend money on chicken, right? We want to look for the best chicken that we can afford. If you can, we want to go the pastured route. We want to go the organic route. If you can't, chicken is still better than Doritos. So like, I'm a big proponent of that. Like I never, I never want someone to feel like they can't afford real food because organic seems out of reach. You know, I'm always telling them the chicken will be better than Doritos or Oreos or Pop-Tarts. Sure. Go the chicken route. But because we're eating more chicken, that's where we want to focus on getting the best deal. So we're going to want to look at a few different stores. Again, you don't have to spend um, a whole weekend shopping at 20 different places to find a good deal just look at the ads before you leave the house. You know, like if you're going to drive to your local grocery store, what other stores are you passing on the way there? Maybe you can swing in or look at the ad, as I mentioned, before you go, because if you can save 50 cents to a dollar per pound of just this one whole organic chicken, then your savings is going to add up much more quickly than if you were to try to hunt down savings on mustard you know, like the best deal you're going to get on mustard might be saving like the coupon, right? 25, 50 cents per tub that you buy. Right. I don't know, once a quarter. So you're saving, let's round up 50 cents every three months versus if you could save a solid dollar per pound of chicken, an average of $5 a bird. And let's say you go through two birds a week, that's $10 a week. So times four, that's $40 a month on just chicken. And so I always tell my students, like, imagine how much you could save if you were to multiply that times the top 10 things you eat. So I kind of recommend capping it at 10, focus on the first top 10, because anything more than that becomes overwhelming. And then, you know, just know where to go to get the best deal on those and stick with it for a little bit, because you'll see your savings rack up more quickly and you start to gain that snowball effect that will allow you to do other advanced techniques like buying in bulk and well, buying in bulk really <laughs> is the first one. <laughs> which, which is 
you know, yes, I guess it is an advanced technique. I guess it, it depends on where you live and, and what you do, right? So I live in Colorado. I have a half a cow in my freezer because we we only eat grass-fed and grass-finished beef and, and we eat a good amount of it. And so that was, to me, I didn't even have to give thought. I haven't calculated. I should, because I'd be really excited, happy <laughs> and proud of myself. I don't know what I saved per pound, but I know it's a lot. And Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's a great way to save money on beef is to buy the cow. I get a lot of questions such as, well, if I only have X amount of dollars per month, let's say I only have $500 a month, do I go grocery shopping at my local Kroger or Walmart or Aldi, or do I buy the cow, which 500 really won't put much of a dent in your, even a quarter of a cow, you need a bit more than that. So there's a bit of a struggle where, how do you invest in buying in bulk, whether it's bulk meat or chicken or bulk beans or rice or whatever it might be, how do you do that and still feed your family day to day? And so that's, that's where if we focus on our top 10, get that savings going, we can create a little bit of a snowball and create a, a significant, I don't want to say deficit in your budget, but maybe more margin in your budget that you can then set aside. And so it might take six months of focusing on just your top 10 and then the extras get set aside every month. But then at the end of those six months, it's, hey, now you can go buy 20 or 50 whole chickens from the farmer or buy that quarter cow or half a cow and put it in your freezer. And you know what? Now you're not buying chicken anymore. You're not buying beef anymore. So you are, again, creating more margin, which you then invest back into your budget. I love that. That is amazing advice. And, and it is, it's the, it's the long game, right? It's not... Yeah. You know, someone's not going to dig into your work and save a hundred dollars the first month, probably. But I like the the thoughtfulness of, you know, really how to plan. And again, I think there's such a, a void in education for people mm-hmm. on how to save on real food. That that what you're doing is amazing. I know you're you have a gift for listeners food allergies on a budget workbook, which is an amazing resource and for everybody listening food allergies. I mean, it's, it's, if you have any sensitivities, special diets, if you're thoughtful, this, mm-hmm. this gift is amazing. Tell us about, tell us about the workbook. So it's designed for those who struggle with food sensitivities, allergies, restrictions, whatever it may be. My daughter, as I mentioned, is gluten-free. It's not certain. It's not like an official diagnosis, but she eats gluten. She gets migraines. So we're like, no gluten. (laughs) She is what we would call gluten sensitive. Yes. So this workbook has really tactical, practical, hands-on approach as to what you can do today at the grocery store. And then some questions uh, to help you reflect on what you're buying and whether or not you need to buy it, whether it's good for your family, whether good for your budget, whether that's good for you and your restrictions as a whole. I've learned over the years that we, anybody can follow like a top 10 list of whatever, and, and we can download those all day long and, and read them. But if you don't take the time to sit and reflect on how like number three, per say, for example, how number three impacts you. And what kind of changes 
this means for you, then you don't really walk away with anything because, you know, it might say, okay, you need to shop the perimeter of the store. And you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, what exactly does that mean? That means like, you need to go in and go to your right (laughs) and, (laughs) and see what is there. And like, that's the food you should be buying. Like you really want to hit home some of these shopping tactics. And that's what the workbook is all about. It's hands-on, it's practical, very down to earth, but it's was designed so that your readers would walk away being able to save money and feel empowered when they go to the grocery store, instead of feeling like they're lost or overwhelmed, which happens like way too often, especially in the food allergy and food sensitivity world, we got overwhelmed. We're told you can't have this. You can't have that. And it feels like our whole world is crumbling around us. And what's, what's funny is someone, someone not too long ago, he was like, help. I can't eat dairy. What do I eat? And I'm thinking everything else. (laughs) Did you subsist on like cheese alone? Like (laughs) did your diet ever have anything else? (laughs) So I, I think to take a step back and be like, it's okay breathe. You can do this is really, really important. So that's what the workbook helps you do along with the the practical how-to. I love that. I I find things like shop the perimeter of the store sounds so logical and so easy for me. Mm -hmm. That's all I ever do. It was very rare. I mean, yes, there are some clean staples in the middle of the store, but it is I can't tell you how often I go to the store and I never go in the middle. Like those Mm -hmm. are very rare fill-ins, but it is overwhelming for people when they're not eating that way already. And they haven't been eating that way for years that it's like, what do you mean? Like everything I buy is in the middle of the store. I had a client just yesterday, we were talking about he was like, do you want to start reintroductions? He struggled so much getting, you know, onto his elimination diet and we stepped him into it. And and now he, he kind of chuckled and he's like, you know, I don't really find it challenging to eat the way I'm eating now. I don't even know if I want to change. I feel so good. <laughs> and that's what I find is once people like get it down and, and it's manageable, especially with what I do for an elimination diet phase, you know, most people are feeling so well, they don't even, I have to really convince them like, no, I want you to do the reintroductions while we're still yeah. <laughs> together because they're like, no, I don't even want to rock the boat, you know, but so it does, what I'm saying is it does get easier. And, and so mm-hmm. having a resource like the workbook is, and like you said, really making it your own versus mm-hmm. following somebody else's list because the follow the list method is temporary. Like that never sticks. Ever. Very much so. Yeah. Wow. It's at the end of the list and you're like, well, where's page two? <laughs> and, and that's not what, that's not what either one of us want for, for yeah. our, for our audience. We want to say, yeah, here's page one. And, and now you can do it. Like, great. You this are able to do lifestyle. You are creating a lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So you definitely take care of resistance. Number one, I hear all the time, which is I can't afford to eat real food, um, <laughs> which is not true. And I want to throw in to listeners, you mentioned the you know organic. Sometimes you can't afford to buy organic. One resource I love for people, because if you're not you know able to just buy everything organic or just don't even see the need is the EWG's Dirty Dozen mm-hmm. and Clean 15 list. 
people are always shocked when they come to my house if I have, you know, a conventional avocado. And I'm like, well, I don't right. eat the skin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, Same you know, thing. Yeah. Or bananas. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most of the things we peel, there are some things I, I have clients show up and they're so proud of themselves. They're like, I'm drinking celery juice. And I'm like, please tell me it's organic because that's on the dirty dozen every year. So I'm like, don't, you know, there are certain things that like, I literally won't even touch unless they're organic, but mm-hmm. you don't have to eat everything organic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like you said, that that's where, again, you see what do I eat a lot of? What's mm-hmm. on that dirty dozen list? Can I mm-hmm. at least move those some of those things to organic and oh, yeah. feel better about the rest? Oh yeah, I love that. So we've got resistance number one taken care of. You teach people, you know, this is how you do it for you. This is how you do it on a budget. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it and save money, mm-hmm. right? Thoughtfully. Resistance number two. Once people get that down, then they're like. I don't know what to cook. <laughs> and I know that you have a meal planning boot camp as well. So I do. tell us a little bit about that because I feel like again, that is just you know, resistance number two is imagination, right? And planning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Meal planning is is so so important. It's it's like I don't know. I, I would like to call it a necessary evil because it's not glamorous. It is not sexy. Meal planning is boring. It, no, nobody. I meal plan every week. I've been doing it for well over a decade and I don't even like to meal plan, but I do it because of the benefits. You could almost say that for people who say, I hate to exercise, but I do it because of the benefits. Meal planning saves you a tremendous amount of time. It saves you a tremendous amount of money. And honestly, it saves you a lot of stress too, because we all know that dinner time is coming. I don't, I don't know why we're so surprised when all of a sudden everybody's hungry at five or six o'clock. It's like, hello, we're all hungry at the same time every day. We, this should not be talked by this. So we can, we can plan for this. So when we meal plan, the three big things I would say is one, you want to start with what you already have. Several years ago now, my husband and I, I remember we were standing in the kitchen and we were going to go to um, a church potluck. And I didn't know what to make. So I opened up the kitchen cabinets and this was still early on in our real food day. So a lot of boxes of cake mixes going on. I opened up the cabinets. I'm like, oh, I have nothing to eat. We have nothing to eat. And I looked over at him. He's looking over at me like, did you really just say that out loud? And because the truth is, is we had lots of food to eat. Sure. I was just overwhelmed and I didn't know how to turn that into something. And so long story short, he said, do you think we could go a week without grocery shopping? And I'm looking around. I'm like, probably like, I'm like super hesitant because I've, I'm in charge of the little kids and, you know, little kids can be picky and I don't, I don't, meals were going to look weird. And so I told him that caveat, I said, dinner might look funny, but I'm sure we could, we could make it work. And it turns out we went 33 days (gasps) without going to the grocery store. I love it. So when you are at home and you open your pantry and your fridge and you say, I have nothing to eat. The reality is, is you have a whole lot more food than you think you do. And I bring that up because the food you have at home is food you have already bought. You have already spent money on this food. So if you don't eat it, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to throw it away 
because it, it goes, you know, expires or you're tired of looking at it or something. Right. Then go bad, in which case you can't eat it. And in both scenarios, if you don't eat it, that is money you have wasted. You have literally given your money to somebody else and said, I will take this food and you put the food in the trash can. That doesn't make any sense if we're trying to save money. So rule number one is always eat what you have. You, you probably, odds are, you will not get your pantry down to nothing. So you don't have to worry about replenishing your pantry. That's another uh, argument that I get in response to that is, oh, but if I eat what I have, then I have nothing left. And it's like, trust me, you'll, you're still going to have food. So Even start, last year, we still had food. <laughs> we did. We did. So eat what you have. Second is to make your meal plan and they don't have to be fancy. You don't have to make every meal or any meal for that matter, worthy of Instagram. We're talking about healthy food on plates, food that's going to fill bellies. That's the goal. It doesn't, it can, I'm not, I have like a little formula for my own family right now. And that is protein, a healthy starch and two vegetables. That is what all of our meals look like. And by following that formula, I can mix and match almost whatever I want. Now I'm a food blogger and I love to cook. And so there was a season where I'm trying all the things from Pinterest and I'm trying all the things from the magazines. And my daughter and I would sit and flip through um, cookbooks to plan out our meals, which you totally can do. But with where we are right now, I'm kind of in this awkward, busy season where I don't have that luxury. So I don't, I don't go through cookbooks. We have the same Yep. Or so yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right, it's a chuck roast. Do you want green salsa or red salsa? Like that's pretty much. <laughs> I love that. Our, with our variation and it's okay. It's okay right. to do that. So you want to write your meal plan again, nothing fancy, write it out for the next three to four days. That's manageable. If seven days freaks you out, stop at three. And then in three days, do it again for another three. And then the third tip would be you write your shopping list for exactly what you put on your meal plan. And then you go shopping with your blinders on and you buy only what's on the list. Don't buy the just in cases. Don't buy the, oh my gosh, it's a good deal. I've never seen it that low before. There's a time and there's a place for that type of shopping, but this shopping trip is not it. Just buy for your meal plan. And those three things alone, eat what you have, make your meal plan, shop your meal plan. If you just hit repeat <laughs> yes. over and over and over again, that your savings account will grow. Your grocery bill will plummet and you'll be so happy because there's not a whole lot of stress going on because you already know what's for dinner. That's such great advice. I mean, number three alone, I, I know personally, if I walk into the grocery store and I literally only buy what's on my list, I saved money, period. Oh, yeah. Right there. Yeah. And if my list was only what I was going to be using that week, I will again save more money. Mm-hmm. I, I and this is where I get stuck with clients. My kids are grown, and most of my meals, there's just two of us. We both eat healthy, eat the same. I eat, I have my own limited <laughs> diet based on a paleo keto lifestyle. And so you know, people say to me, well, you know, what did you eat? And I'm like, well, I eat lots of vegetables, clean protein and healthy fat. Like I, mm-hmm. so I'm at a point where I'm not putting in a lot of time. My daughter has always loved to go through the cookbooks and find the recipes or go online and find the mm-hmm. recipes. 
And that's great. She's graduating college in a couple of weeks. Shouldn't have time for that right now either. (laughs) So we're cooking what we know, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, you get in the cycle of, it really does become so easy. I am not good at telling other people what to cook because I will, you know, make a giant thing of mixed roast vegetables and I will eat off of that for a few days and just change my protein up. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, and the funny part is when I, my friends come over who don't eat real food, they all love my food. Yeah, (laughs) they really do. It it cracks me up. I always say, well, you know, like even, even regular people eat it. (laughs) You know, I have, I have that one friend who I know, like if she eats it and she doesn't say like, what is this? Then I know it's, it's actually really good. And anybody would like it. Yeah. My Mikey. I don't know if you're to remember Mikey. I am. (laughs) (laughs) We were joking with, with our kids the other day of that exact thing. He likes it. (laughs) Absolutely. They, of course, didn't know. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, we, we get enjoyment out of it. Yeah. So you gave us so, I mean, you just gave us, if anybody just played this on repeat and took notes, they would already start not only saving so much money, but reducing their stress around food mm-hmm. yeah. and around eating real food. But I'm going to be mean and I'm going to ask you to pick one step that listeners can take starting immediately to start to, which to me, you know, to start to improve their health, to start to save the money, to move toward better eating. So I am going to give a tip that's slightly tailored towards the allergy restriction realm. Perfect. And it's actually a mindset shift. And that is don't try to replicate the old style of eating. Love that. Um, and I say that because when you try to do that, like let's take macaroni and cheese, right? I think we can all raise our hands. Macaroni and cheese is, is legit. It's the bomb. But when you start swapping out regular noodles for gluten-free noodles or cauliflower noodles or whatever type of new noodle there is and real cheese for the fake cheese. And you just start making all these swaps and it is never going to taste the same. It's just not. The ingredients are not the same. It's, 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 it's literally not the same food. It's like trying to make an apple taste like an orange. It's not going to happen. And you will spend a whole lot more money than you really and need to. And time. And you know what? You're going to be disappointed because you're, you're looking for this magic pill that's going to taste like what you used to eat And it's not going to. So if you walk into this new lifestyle with with that, it's a new way of eating. It's a new lifestyle. I'm not going to replicate the old. Then you're going to love what you cook because it's not being held to some old standard. It's it's just a completely new way. And it's going to taste fresh and it's going to taste good and it's going to be different. So, so we need to know that, you know, like you, like you with your roasted vegetables, you can't expect roasted vegetables to taste like a, a bowl of spaghetti. Right. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to, you know, or, or lean chicken breast is never going to taste like a pop tart. It's just not. <laughs> Thank goodness. <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is such great advice. And, and I'll tag onto that and say, our taste buds change quickly when we stop mm-hmm. eating processed foods. I, I literally, I had a client say to me once, were strawberries always this sweet? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they were, you're just 
not eating all this trash anymore. Now you can taste it. Yeah. So as you said, your food will taste fresh and really it becomes simpler is better. You don't need Mm -hmm. a thousand different seasoning mixes and you you Mm -hmm. just real food really does taste good. But I love that advice because so many people do try to replicate, well, you know, how can I make paleo mac and cheese? How can I make AIP mac and cheese? I'm like, well, there's not one thing in mac and cheese that's allowed on AIP. So I'm not yeah. sure how you think it's going to taste, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, my husband, I was say, I'm sorry. My husband is um, currently doing Wall's protocol. Very, very similar to that's how I live. AIP. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of Wall's protocol. Yeah. And my husband's a big fan of pizza. And he was like, how can we make this happen? I was like, no, babe, it's like not, it's not. I'm you're gonna, you know, RIP pizza. Yep. Those days have come, they have served a purpose, and they have moved on. So <laughs> we need to move on too. And I love that. And the reality is pizza is probably part of what led him to finding Wall's protocol to begin with, right? <laughs> it is. It, it absolutely yeah. is. You know, and yeah. what's funny is we've, we've learned to create other things. Like we've created almond flour tortillas that he can eat just fine. Nice. Um, tomato sauce doesn't bother him really. And he can do a little bit of real fresh mozzarella, like not the processed pre-shredded, right. all the stuff added to it. So every now and then he can get something that's sort of kind of like that pizza flavor. And it, brings him all these memories, but to try to just. Um, and that's what I tell people go for the flavor profile. Yes. You know, just hit those reminder notes in a completely different style and way, and you will be so much happier. Yes. Yeah. Just don't, just don't start cooking and expect it to be the same because it's not, it's just not the same. It's, and then you're setting yourself up for failure. That is such great advice. I I really love that one. I'm going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) So before we wrap up, tell us where listeners can find you. And I will have all the links for everything in the show notes. But if somebody's listening and they want to pop over and find you right now, where can they find you? Sure. So my blog is don'twastethecrumbs.com. Love it. Um, we are blogging there, oh gosh, four or five times a week. We have over a thousand recipes plus grocery hacks and meal plans um, on Instagram. It's don't waste the crumbs and same thing on Facebook. If you're interested in my courses, my budget course is called Grocery Budget Bootcamp. And if you struggle with meal planning, that is meal planning bootcamp. Both of them are docs. If they're, you know, we'll put that, like you said, the links in the show notes. And sometimes they're open, sometimes they're closed because I like to teach personally my students. I'm not a big fan of like, again, the list. Here's a list. Go fun for yourself. I'm not really a big fan of that. I like to really help them get from point A to point B. So if registration is closed, you can sign up for the wait list and then I'll let you know as soon as it is open. I love that. Tiffany, thank you so much. You have shared so much gold with us today. (laughs) Appreciate it. My pleasure. For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, 
just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.